Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, guys. Jess here. Before we get you started, I just wanted to let you guys know there is a little bit of language in this show. So if you're driving around the car and you got kids in the back seat, maybe throw on some headphones. All right. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Jess. And I'm Andrew. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater more. Mazel tov, mazel tov. L'chaim. <laughs> Gesundheit. So, with an intro like that, what could we possibly be covering this week, Andrew? Um, we're covering the the most Jewish thing I've ever seen in my life. What is it, Andrew? Uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Someone gotta get him off. Someone should knock him down, push him over. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition. Tradition. I want to throw out there that uh, with my, uh, remember we talked about this a little bit in in the episode where I tried to guess what these were about? Yeah. Um, The the Fiddler character is kind of a a magical being in this, I'd say. So I think I was partially right. I'd say he's more of a metaphor than anything else, but sure. If you take him literally, then I was right. (laughs) All right. Um, So Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. Fiddler on the Roof is a musical with music by Jerry Bach and lyrics by Sheldon Harnick and a book by Joseph Stein. Set in Imperial Russia in 1905, it is based on Tevye and his daughters, or Tevye the Dairyman, and other of the Sholom Alechim, Alechim, other tales, (laughs) other tales by Sholom Alechim. Sholom Alechim. (laughs) This is that whole episode. (laughs) <laughs> the whole episode's going to be this. Us mispronouncing things that are prob- being culturally uneducated, basically. Look, can we can we just uh, say right now that everything we're going to say that's pronounced Jewish is going to be terrible? <laughs> Except for Laser Wolf. Alright, so the story of Fiddler on the Roof centers on Tevya, the father of five daughters, and his attempts to maintain his Jewish religious and cultural traditions as outside influences and encroach on his family's lives. He must cope both with the strong-willed actions of his three oldest daughters, who wish to marry for love. Each one's choice of a husband moves further from the Jewish customs that he's so used to, and with the edict of the Tsar that evicts the Jews from their village. Spoilers alert! Wow, you just ruined the whole thing in, like, the first five minutes. Even if you know the ending of Fiddler on the Roof, it's not like it's going to ruin the entire experience for you. It's true. It's not very story-driven, I wouldn't say. It's character-driven, and it feels more like a sitcom, basically. It feels like a few episodes of a sitcom that happens to take place in Imperial Russia. (laughs) You say that about everything we watch. It feels like an episode of something. You said that about falsettos, too. I did say that about falsettos. The original Broadway production of Fiddler on the Roof, which opened in 1964, had the first musical theater run in history to surpass 3,000 performances. Fiddler held the record for the longest-running Broadway musical forever for almost 10 years until Grease surpassed its run. It remains the 16th longest-running show in Broadway history. The production was extraordinarily profitable and highly acclaimed. It won nine Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Score, Book, Direction, and Choreography. It spawned five Broadway revivals and a highly successful 1971 film adaptation that won Best Picture was nominated for a bunch of other Oscars. <sighs> so this is a very well-known, well-respected, and well-loved musical. And do you think it's deservingly so? Absolutely not. I'm just going to throw out there, I thought this was awful. Hashtag, that's a problematic opinion. <laughs> Hashtag, I'm, I'm being, uh, I'm lying. Uh, this just, that's the trailer for the episode, though. Cut there. Uh, <laughs> no, I thought the whole thing was great. I loved it. We're going to get T-shirt, buy our merch with that on there. <laughs> no, really, though. It was, it, it was really good. Uh, it definitely earned its reputation. 
It is one of those very rare, absolutely perfect Broadway shows where I literally could not change anything to make it better. It's three hours long, but it doesn't feel it. So, Andrew, when I first told you about Fiddler on the Roof and you started watching, your response was, this is the most Jewish show I've ever seen. And that was just from the opening number. And yet, despite the fact that this is very drenched in Jewish Jewish tradition, and you and I are very much Gentiles, um, we're able to relate and understand the basic morals and quandaries within this show. Why do you think that is? Well, they don't really go into uh, how it's how it's Jewish, really. It's just more of a... It's just about tradition, and uh, that's it. They just use Jewish Judaism as a uh, way to tell that story, basically. I think. I'm, so it's still relatable. I mean, what makes it so universal? I mean, even when it first came out on Broadway, the way they promoted it was, you don't have to be Jewish to love Fiddler on the Roof. And it does have very, very specific Jewish things. Like, I don't understand the exact tradition of the Sabbath and how exactly it works, or the exact marriage explanation of how it works, the father's permission and all that. I had none of that coming in. And yet, without, like outright explaining this is how it works this is what you need um it conveys it very acutely and very specifically like so subtly that we don't even know that we were taught it i think it's tough to explain i think it's just because you get into the characters heads uh so so much that you don't even notice that it's like these bizarre things that you don't know anything about (laughs) i I wouldn't call it bizarre but just not our um traditional values that's what bizarre means. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> I feel like this is relatable, especially in nowadays, like the idea of one wanting to marry who they want, that specifically relates to like the last 10 years with the gay marriage and like interracial marriage and all that. And that's still going on today where I worry if my father will accept us or give us the blessing despite this or that or that. Yeah, I think it's it's just... um it's something that is always going to be present because there's never going to be a point where there's not someone who's going to break some sort of social norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will always be the sticklers that are, like, really hard to change on that. Well, and I think that what is really interesting with this musical is that they don't... Um, they don't look down fully on the people that aren't willing to change... They try to show you why they're not willing to change, and that sometimes they are willing to change. Well, the thing is, Tevya, let's let's just go through the story. Um, Tevya um, is our lead character, or at least our focal character, because I'm going to make arguments that he may not, in fact, be the lead. Ooh. Well, I think you're just straight wrong. I mean, he's obviously the lead. I mean, okay. in musical theater structure-wise. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Whatever you want. Um... He is the focal character, and we see him have to deal with the fact that his first daughter um, wants to choose her husband. Her second daughter isn't asking permission, but is asking a blessing, which he's no longer has input or control over his daughter. And he finally breaks down and disowns his third daughter when she decides she wants to convert to Christianity and marry a Christian boy. And we see him, and he is compared to the rest of the city he lives in, one of the more liberal, forward-thinking idealists in the city. And even then, he's yeah. still very much in love with his faith. He's able to bend the rules and use the traditional things as a weapon sometimes. But he's also... Um, he's still very stern, and he's not always willing to change. So, it is interesting. I find Tevye one of the best characters in musical theater history because of that specific duality of him. Like, he wants to, he loves more than he doesn't, and he wants to adapt and grow and become better. But it's where he draws the line that shows the true measure of his belief system and traditional value. It's a very, very nuanced uh, story, really. Mm-hmm. Which I think is is more interesting than something like, uh, like say Rent, where <laughs> they just take all these uh, same sort of ideas and they just basically put it like, if you don't accept all this, you're just an asshole, uh, and that's it. You know, it's just it's more nuanced than that. 
like even when Tevia disowns his like third eldest daughter, um, you're om- you're still kind of with him. Like you understand because we've had the preceding hours setting up his belief system where you're like, okay, I understand why that's where you're drawing the line. It's a shitty thing to do, especially in our modern context of just disowning your daughter, but you understand it. Yeah, and, and almost to a point you can almost agree with him that, you know what, that is, from where what he's coming from, it, it would be impossible for him to accept that. Mm-hmm. And it's strange that while we see his wife, Golda, as the more strict one, or the one that's always on his ass about following this and following that is the one willing to like bridge that gap. And I find that equally interesting. I almost saw it as her not bridging the gap and just her putting her emotions beyond her, uh, uh, what would, what would you call it? Principles? Her faith basically. Yeah. Like she was willing to go to the church, the Christian church to figure out what happened to her daughter. She cares more about her family than she does about her faith, where Tevia cares about his faith and then his family. To an extent. To an extent. But if it came between yeah. him, his relationship with God and his relationship with his daughters, that is an interesting thing that I'm going to talk about when we come to If I Were a Rich Man. I, I think this story is amazing, universal, and very clear, concise, despite being three hours long and not feeling it. Like, you have everything sets up very well. You set up the Russian Christians in the town, and even they're very nuanced. Like, in the Two Life sequence, when they're, he and Laser Wolf are dancing at the bar, and the Christians see them, they could have very easily have just started a program right there, and the like, started being mean to the Jewish people on their happy day. But no, they join in and celebrate with them, revealing that they aren't just mustache-twirling meanies. Yeah, which I think most uh, most uh, stories would have went that way, where they're just like, oh, these are the bad guys. Uh, now it's time to do their bad thing. Yeah, I mean, most of the Christian characters with speaking lines are fairly kind. <laughs> Fairly kind and understanding, and nuanced. Yep. Like, Fietka is basically a, a, a prop, but he is nice. Day and night must scramble for a living, be the wife and children, say his daily prayers, and who has the right as master of the house to have the final word at home? All right, let's talk about tradition for a second, because I think tradition 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 is a brilliant song. All right, and one of the best opening numbers to any musical ever. Much like traditions themselves, they exist coinciding with one another as a society, weaving into one each other like one another like a woven basket, basically. And so the song acts as that as well. When we get the first verse, which is. Um, uh, the papas, the papas, um, and all, they have their very specific verse, and then the mamas, which is like, Who must know the way to make a proper home, a quiet home, a kosher home? Who must raise a family and run the home, the papas free to read the holy book? The very, very different lyrical pieces. And then at the end of the song, they all come together and they fit so well, despite being very, very different melodically. And that is a description of the traditions of Anna Tefka altogether. Um, yeah, it's, it's very well written, uh, and it just keeps coming back, too. It's, it's, uh, it repeats all the time throughout the whole show. It, and it's perfect, and it sums up the entire village, their belief system, and every single one of the characters and where they fit in so perfectly. You are ready for this beast of a show after that song's done. I'm also a huge fan of Tevya talking to me. In the show, he's like... 
talking to you directly. But in the film adaptation, he's talking just beyond the camera. He's talking to a tennis ball right above the camera. It's it's close enough, though. He's he's looking at me. You know, he knows I'm there. (laughs) I wish you would address us later on, too. Like... No, I was kept. I kept waiting for him to come back and talk to me again. But he's just like, no, I gotta talk. I gotta talk to God. And I'm like, I'm God. You know, I'm close enough. And in that first number, we get the description of a fiddler on the roof, which is basically a representation of why we need our traditions. I feel like it's a really uh, stretched metaphor, honestly. But you know, they got the name for it from it, so. I think it's an effective metaphor, at least in its use, especially when how it, like, follows Tevye around, and in the end, like, once again, Tevye's on his own pulling the cart, and he, the one thing that he's able to bring with him on his back is the traditions of the fiddler on the roof, and that's what he represents. That's the one thing he has left. <laughs> Was fiddler on a roof, like, a saying already, or did they just make this up for this? Because... It just seems like such a bizarre metaphor to just kind of pull out. I think they made it up for this based on, like, a Jewish painting. Ah, okay. I could see that. Mm -hmm. If I remember correctly. Now, let's talk about musical theater structure for a quick second. All right, Jess, take it away. All right, so in a given musical, the first song is the introduction number. It introduces you to the world and the leads. The second number is more often than not, the I Want song, sung by the main character about what they want and their goal for the entire show. And then the third song is the conditional love song, which is, we have a complicated thing, but we're going to end up together in the end. So that is the basics of an opening of a musical. So we have tradition, which is the great opening number that sets up everyone. And instead of having If I Were a Rich Man as the second song, the second song is Matchmaker. Sung by Tevye's three daughters about what they want. Um, yeah. I don't think that makes the daughters the main characters, though. Well, the thing is, they get what they want in the end. Um, Tevye doesn't. He does not become a rich man. So Matchmaker is the I Want song, and we focus on these three characters as a collective, as them going and seeking out their goal. They are the only ones with an active goal in this. We want to be with someone that isn't terrible. We want to be able to choose who we get to be with. Yeah. Whereas Tevia doesn't really have a goal aside from make it through another day. Um, that's a pretty important goal, though. I'd say he also has the goal that he wants to hold on to his mm-hmm. traditions. So Matchmaker Matchmaker is the setup, and then If I Were a Rich Man is about the one true relationship that is the love story in this. It is the um, Billy and Julie of this show. It is Tevia's relationship with God. Yes, mm-hmm. that is the love story of Fiddler on a Roof. And uh, <clears throat> does he end up with God in the end? I... He does. The Fiddler comes with him. It's true. That's true. So Tevia has lost everything. He's lost his home. The like the icon of his entire homeland and all that. He's lost his daughters. One of them's going one direction, another one's going another direction, the other one's in Siberia. So he's lost them. Um, and he all he has left now is the tradition and his relationship with God, which will never leave his side, and comes with him to America where he goes after he's kicked out of his home. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess he does end up with God. <laughs> Although he was already with God also, so... Yeah, but it gets complicated, especially after Zidal's wedding. Yes, it does get complicated. He gets he has a rocky relationship with the with the big man, which is like any romantic comedy. They they're together. They have the second act breakup, and then they get back together, despite yeah. all the shit thrown at both parties. So, so are you saying that you think that the Three daughters are the main characters just because they have that song in that spot? They have the I Want song, and they get what they want. So I'm saying that they collectively are the main characters. Wouldn't it be just easier to say that this particular stru- song breaks the structure than it would be to say 
that these three characters that do not actually have that much time on the screen are the main characters? I don't know, because collectively they have a good amount of time. They have a bunch of songs, collectively. Do they? I mean, we have um, Zytel, um and Model song Miracle of Miracles. They have the Far From the Home I Love. We got Havala. We got um, Sunrise Sunset, which is basically a connection but to But ha- Havala is, is Tevya. Yes, but it's about her. It's him singing about her, but it's not mm-hmm. her song. I mean, they have collectively a good amount of moments. Tevya has way more. <laughs> Tevya is the focal character, but I'm not sure he is the lead, so to say. I, he, I feel like those two are synonymous. They aren't quite. They're close, but not always. They can o- often be different, because I consider the one with a clear goal, with an arc, and all that, as the lead central characters. And it's just fun Tevye to speculate. Tevye as well, though. And it's just fun to speculate, too. But Tevye also has a clear goal, and he definitely has an arc. <laughs> Uh, does he though? And he, yeah, he does. I mean, yes, he has things that put him in a place there. And he he doesn't begin, but he's basically the same person. He's not changed. He definitely has changed. He's changed his mind on quite a few things. Yes, but when it comes to the big thing that we are set up to, he is there. He is still steadfast. Even the last words he says to his daughter is kind of a backhand compliment. I'm trying to remember what she, what he said. Um, Zytel is trying to call out to Hava, and there, and Tevya's like sarcastically whispering to Zytel to say, "God be with you." It's like, yeah, you've given up our God, so let him be with you still. I guess. I mean, there's I, a lot I of different implications means... of that line. I, it depends I on how that... it's said. I don't think that means that he's not the lead just because of that. I, I don't know. <laughs> May the Lord protect and defend. I love the Sabbath prayer sequence. Like, I think that's a fun scene that's, like, so emotionally gripping and so solemn. And it's just, it's based on an actual prayer. What did you think of that song? Um, I mean, it was, uh, there was a lot going on, uh, around that song. So it was definitely an interesting, uh, like, cause they had the, uh, like, basically the, um, jeez, oh my goodness, I can't talk right now. Okay, uh, they had uh, the two men that both wanted the same daughter, and that was all. No, they wanted different out. daughters. What? They wanted different daughters. They they did. Yeah, they um, model wanted Zytel, and um, Perchik wanted um, Hoddle. No, no, model and Laser Wolf both wanted the same daughter. Gotcha, gotcha. My bad. And that was happening around the Sabbath pr- prayer song. Yep, I thought you meant, because Perchick and Model were both there, I thought you misinterpreted as them both wanting Zytel. No. Perchick didn't want anybody, he just wanted to preach communism. <laughs> Fair. His true love. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, yeah. I don't see him going to jail over fucking Huddle. He didn't. In fact, he uh, he, he left her alone because he doesn't care about her. He just loves uh, he just loves communism. <laughs> um, and after the Sabbath prayer, we get probably one of the more fun songs in the entire show. To life, to life, lechayim, 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 to life. Is to the father I've tried to be. Is to my bride to be. Bring the chayim to life, to life. The chayim, the chayim, the chayim to life. Life has a way of confusing us, blessing and bruising us. Bring the chayim to life. <sighs> I remember when things used to be fun. No, to life is a is a really fun one. Although it, it's kind of. 
<laughs> it's kind of not fun though because you know that it's not gonna work out. <laughs> but you get to see the growth of Tevia and Laser, which <laughs> leads to one of the best lines in the entire show, which is I've always wanted a son, but I hope that he would be a little younger than myself. Which just shows the strangeness of the traditions that they live in. It's true, but it also breaks my heart that poor poor Laser still just ends up alone. Yeah, poor Laser. He went through the matchmaker and everything. He's just going to have to go make a lot of money killing animals all day. I mean, that's good for him, but... You feel bad. You're like, this guy, he, like, he seemed like a nice guy. He really did. He did. He seemed, like, well-intentioned. You didn't feel like he was going to be a bad husband to Zytle. But she just loved that, like, awkward dweeby kid. And what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So she begs her father to let her marry Model Comes Oil, which is the awkward dweeby kid. And he eventually <laughs> relents and says, fine, you, you, you enjoy your poor, miserable life, you dumb, dumb wench. <laughs> And then he has to figure out, oh no, how am I going to convince my wife that this was the right idea? Oh no! I mean, he he comes up with it pretty easily, I think. He doesn't think about it too long. about a daughter marrying my husband? Yes, her husband! Would you do this to your friend and neighbor, Kruma Sarah? Kruma Sarah! Have you no consideration for a woman's feelings? Woman's feelings! Handing over my belongings to a total stranger? Total stranger! Um, he, this is the first time you actually see Tevia use the traditions against, uh, as a weapon, basically. He weaponizes is tradition. Is there a tradition, though? Is there a tradition that he's using as a weapon to, to listen to your dreams or something? Like, listen to the matriarch, basically. It's listening to your parental figures and your ancestors. Ancestry line, basically. But are you also supposed to listen to the dream version of them? I mean, at a certain point, do you believe that that connection to it? Like, if someone's coming to you from beyond the grave as ghosts, you listen to it. Yeah, I suppose so. Either way, though, is a pretty funny idea. It's a funny idea, but it... I don't know, I'm not a huge fan of this song. It's super goofy. <laughs> it. I mean, I, I know you love cheese. Uh, I just feel like it goes a little long, is the only it thing. Does, it does go a little long. Uh, but I do, I do like that it's like they have this like funny sequence. Uh, it almost feels like a, like they ripped it out of like Evil Dead or something. I mean, it's got some great kooky characters in there. I love the grandmother and the grandfather, and Fruma Sarah. Well, there's like slapstick parts of it too. There's like, like the the ghost is like slapping him around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's funny. It works, but I still feel like it goes a little long in the show. The show is really long to begin with. You're, yeah, you're not wrong about that. They definitely could have trimmed that a little bit. But you know what? Every time I pull it up and I pull up that scene, I'm never bored. Like, I enjoy watching that scene full in a vacuum, but I'm not sure it works as a whole. Yeah, keep it. We'll keep it. I'm fine with it. So, um, the Russian Christians come in and they start destroying the entirety of Zytle's wedding and Tevye's left at the end of Act 1 thinking, God, why are you so, so mean against your most devout followers? Why do you do this to us? <laughs> Is it bad that when he did, he was just like, kind of, like, doing this shocked, like, shrug? I was just thinking of that, um, that meme with, uh, John Travolta where he's, like, got his sweater <laughs> and he's, like, looking around. <laughs> That's Tevia throughout the entire show. <laughs> He's just like, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So then uh, um, Hoddle asks Tevia if she can marry her communist boyfriend. And he's like, no, no. And she's like, I'm not really asking permission. I'd like your blessing, but we're going to do it anyways. And he's like, what? 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 <laughs> and then he just approves them anyways, because, you know. Come on, Tavia, you got to put your foot down for that kind of thing. Nope, nope. You can't just that... let her marry a communist. <laughs> 
And then he gets arrested. Ah. <gasps> uh. But oh my goodness! Hoddle's profession of love makes Tevia curious about his own love life with his own wife, and probably my favorite song in the entire show. But do you love me? Do I love him? Well, for twenty-five years I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. Twenty-five years my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? And you love me. I suppose I do. Oh. And I suppose I love you. Uh, do you love me? Do you love me? I think that's a really cute song. No, I think it's fun. It doesn't uh, doesn't really have much story impact. But it has fun. a thematic impact. It's true. Where it's interesting, where you have all these people talking about love, and Tevya hasn't even considered the idea that he might love his wife. He's not sure, because he was trapped in that arranged marriage-type traditional setting. But they do love each other, so it proves that traditions really are worth it. And I think that's like one of the more cute and honest moments. And I think, especially in the film, Tull plays that song really well. I think I like it. I like that part. Mm-hmm. It's really cute, and we kind of needed like an honest romance where we've seen these these this couple at their throats the entire show, and then they finally come to like a what is love, and do I actually feel it for you? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I'm glad they didn't come to uh, realize that they don't love each other because I feel like that would have been a. It would have steered the message a little bit, like, wrong. Almost. It would have steered it way too far in one direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Hoddle decides she wants to go to Siberia with her communist boyfriend, who is in prison. Mm, mistake. It's actually her husband, though, isn't it? Oh, no, not yet. Not yet. No, they get married in yeah, Siberia. Yeah, they get married in Siberia. So... She demands that her dad take her to the train station so she can go meet with her husband. And he's like, why are you doing this? Like, it makes no sense to me that he's demanding that you go up there. She's like, he didn't demand anything. I want to go. And she sings probably one of the more heartbreaking songs, aside from the following one, Far From the Home I Love, where she describes, like, yeah, I love home, I love my family and all them, but I very much love this man, too, and... For some reason, I am feeling drawn to go with him. Oh, what a melancholy choice this is. Wanting home, wanting him. Closing my heart to every hope but his. Leaving the home I love. How, how long do you think that marriage lasts? And then how long do you think she was stuck in <laughs> Siberia with no one? It uh, depends on how f- long it took for them to freeze to death. Because I'm going to say that that marriage would have lasted, like, two years at the most. <laughs> when you don't believe in true love? Um, not with a revolutionary like that. So you believe too... in true love with Zytle and Model, but not with them? I think that, yeah, I think that they, they actually, Zytle and Model, that works. I think Perchik is a, he's a revolutionary, so he's he's a little too impulsive. It's just not going to work out. He he thinks women and men should dance together. Fuck. He was a little crazy. Don't we? We all know that men should dance together, not women. Yeah, I danced. Like, I well. danced with several men all the time, down down at Skins. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> but you think marrying a communist revolutionary in Siberia is whack? Wait till you hear what Hava did. Oops. Ah, uh, she snuck out and converted to Christianity and married a Christian boy. Daddy, Jesus came in my heart. Gross. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> when I said aim for the chest, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say I'm with Tevya on this. Really? Just saw my original, my initial reaction. <laughs> To this happening? It was just a bunch of no's. A variation of no's in caps lock. <laughs> you know what? Come on. 
Like, come, come on! Like, you gotta be kidding me. You're gonna, you're gonna go out and marry both this guy and Jesus at the same time? <laughs> like, you can't... Uh, like, come, come on. No. No, 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 no. And Tevia takes no time in banishing her from the family altogether. I mean, she was always the odd duckling, too. She's like a ginger. Like, come on. <laughs> Tevi, you know that wasn't your kid. <laughs> he, he's, he's known all along. And now, now it's, like, obvious. Finally know? has the excuse. Little bird, little chavile. You were always such a pretty little thing. Everybody's favorite child. Gentle and kind and affectionate. What a sweet little bird you were. But it leads Tevya to sing the song Little Bird, a.k.a. Havla, which I adore this song, which he sings it like he's singing it at her funeral. It literally could be a funeral song about this daughter that he that died. That's how he sees it, though. That It is. She's dead to me. I mean, she betrayed him in a way that she must have known would be just too much. She even brought it up to him, and he was very relatively understanding about it. He's like, I understand that this is how you feel, but a frog and a bird could very much care for each other, but where would they build a home? I mean... And you got to think of it too. At this time, all the Christians that he knows are destroying his town, uh, are kicking him out of his country. Like, do you think before you know, Zaitel's wedding, he would have been more open to it? Maybe, probably not, but maybe a little more open. That's interesting. But, I find it interesting to think if these Christians had been kinder to this community, like, what could have grown out of it? Yeah, but, I mean, she betrays his faith, she betrays his trust, uh, you know, she goes behind his back with it, like, come come on, you know, she's, she's dead to me, too. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I beg you to accept us. Accept them? How can I accept them? Can I deny everything I believe in? On the other hand, can I deny my own child? On the other hand, how can I turn my back on my faith, my people? If I try to bend that far, I will break! On the other hand, There is no other No, Chava. No. 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 Well, good thing you just lost a daughter, because we got to do some traveling. They get this notice that they have to be sent away from Anatevka, their home, because, yep, they got they to gotta take, they're taking over this land. Fuck y'all, get out. You know, it just feels like uh, you have this this opening song where he talks about how important tradition is to him, and just throughout the entire musical, it's just slowly traditions get ripped away from him over and over and over, until finally he just loses the whole fucking town and the whole everything he knows is gone. The fiddler like, falls guy, off the roof. This guy. I mean, he at the end he's not on the roof anymore, is he? Yes. <laughs> This poor guy. I feel so bad for poor Tevya. Tevya is one of the most, like, empathetic characters in musical history. Like, he just goes through the, the shit, and even the musical has tamed down what happens to him. <laughs> like, this is the best, better version of what his life ends as. So what actually happens? What's the, what's the real end to his story? In the books, like... Um, his entire family dies, and he's left alone. <laughs> oh my god. No. 
And then they sing a really like mournful song about Anna Tefka, about their life and all that. And Tevya and Laserwolf, despite all the disagreements, share a hug before they all go in their separate ways. Well, Laserwolf was never really mad about anything. He was he was disappointed and he was upset and he felt betrayed. But I don't think he was ever... I love how he has to go to that wedding, because it would be way more weird if he didn't go, because the community's so small. Well, yeah, and I mean, I feel like he wanted to go, because I think he really did love that girl, so he was he just wants her to be happy. Like, I think he cared about Zydel's happiness, but he thought that she valued funds more than she did love. Yeah. Which makes sense in a lot of ways in a economically, like, trampled world that they live in. Well, I mean, yeah, the guy with the money, like, who wouldn't want to be with him? I'd, I'd marry him. Right. And then the show ends with Tevye and his traditions going off to America to figure out what their life leads for them next. I think he becomes a taxi driver. I think he'd be a good taxi driver is the thing. <laughs> he'd be a great taxi driver. Until his car goes lame. <laughs> He'd probably still end up being a milkman. <laughs> oh, bringing the milk. Oh. I don't think there's any milkmen in New York. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the podcast, but we're here to shill at you. Yay. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do. That's, that's, my, uh, that's my game. All right, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. It's our way of getting viewed and getting up there on the new and noteworthy list. We really want that. Also, find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and all the other podcast websites. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. On Instagram at Musical Theater Lives. YouTube, Musical Theater Lives. And please, if you have any questions, recommendations, thoughts, or just anything that you want to say at us, email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. We always read them, and we will respond. We'll probably respond to them on the show. Also, a reminder that we are currently having a raffle for anyone that is going to leave us a review on iTunes. If you leave a review, you'll be automatically put into a raffle for a $20 Amazon gift card. So, if you leave a review, you have a chance to win. And you're very likely to win, because there's barely any reviews. Just letting you know. (laughs) Exactly. So thank you for listening, and let's get you back to it. I belong in Anatevka. Tumble down, work a day on Anatevka. All right, Andrew, I've I've got a question for you. All right? What do you got? Yeah. All right, so we got the three v- brides. We got uh, Zytel, Hoddle, and Hava. Which bride would you yeah. ask Tevye permission to marry? Uh, Zytel. Really? Why Zytel? Yeah, she seems the most down-to-earth and reasonable. Would you convert to Judaism for her? I would chop off the tip of my penis <laughs> for her any day of the week. <laughs> I think I'm a Hoddle fan. I like the fact that she's kind of into revolutionaries. <laughs> Jess considers himself a resol- revolutionary. I'm a resolutionary. Jess, did, did, did you vote for Bernie Sanders, Jess? Oh, man. I'll pat you on the back. Hang on. <laughs> I voted for Shea Guevara in both of the 2016 <laughs> elections. They're, oh, Jess the revolutionary. Ah, vive la France. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I... I, I I just kind of like Toddle. She felt like one of the more um, willing to stray away from the belief. Like, not so far as Hava. Not as far as Hava, but willing to like... Okay, okay. Was Pershik, was he a Jew? Yeah, he was. Really? Yeah, he was. He didn't wear the little uh, the little thing, so I, I didn't know if he was or not. He had the hat on and a beard. Did he have the hat? Yeah, he had the hat. I don't remember that. No, he did. Like he I was, thought he he was very I much. I thought he Jewish. wore more of the. I thought he wore more than the normal hat, like that the uh, Christians were wearing. No, he wore the Tevia, like kind of like newsboy hat. Yeah, that's what I thought he wore. Yeah, and that was the same hat Tevia wore. That's the same hat some of the uh, Christians were wearing, though. Yeah, he was one hundred percent Jewish. 
He was just revolutionary Jewish. He didn't wear the little uh, the little uh, undergarments. The the prayer shawl. Yeah. Mm. One of the characters I think is really nuanced that doesn't get a bunch of attention is. His Majesty, as Tevye calls him. I don't quite know his real name, but the one with the mustache in the movie. The one Christian. The one that looks like uh, Stalin? Yeah, basically Yosef Stalin and Tevye's buddy Yosef Stalin. He He's the closest we had to like an actual villain, I would say. And he's still pretty nice. He's nice, but doesn't it get to a point where when you're following orders that force you to be so cruel that you, you know, stop? following those orders and quit your job, you know? <laughs> what'd you think uh what'd you think of the um the rabbi? What did you think of him? The rabbi has probably one of my more favorite scenes in the entire film version of it that's like not in the stage show. Is that him dancing or him Him in his temple, um gathering his Torah together and leaving, sobbing, like leaving the his place of worship. Like, that is so yeah, depressing he's... and quiet. Yeah. I feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. And he just looks huggable. Like, you you could hug that rabbi. He wouldn't want you to touch him, though. You're a dirty Christian. <laughs> <sighs> so let's talk about the film to wrap things up. Traditions, traditions. Without our traditions. Our lives would be as shaky as, as, as a fiddler on the roof. The stage show was adapted into a film in 1972, and it was directed by Norman Jewison and starred Heim Topol as Tevya, which was a controversial decision since Zero Mostel, who was a very big name, was in the original Broadway cast as Tevya, and he feels like he was kind of snubbed in bringing it from stage to screen. If I were a rich He's just too big and bombastic, whereas Topol is very real and grounded. I feel like he would have been, like, way too out there with it, flamboyant and fabulous. Yeah, and I... I, I don't know, I can't see anyone other than uh, the person playing him as the, that character. And I agree with you, more or less, because, like, even when I saw it live on stage when it came touring, I saw Topol in it. Who else could do it that well? I don't think anyone else could. It's very few films, like, characters from stage that I just see as that character. Um, except for Topple as um, Tevya. That is that character in my mind. And I've seen a lot of great actors like Danny Bernstein and Alan, uh, Alfred Molina play Tevya. And all of them just don't feel as right for the role as Topple does. And while... Here I'm going to go into some problematic territory, trigger warning, sexual assault. Topple might even be a terrible person. <laughs> so I've, to the surprise of literally no one, I have read Patty Lapone's autobiography. I don't know who that is, but okay. Um, you will. You will soon, Andrew. <laughs> uh, just you okay. wait. I, I, Sure. And she was in a production of The Baker's Wife with Topple, and they were developing the show together. And apparently, Topple would go up to women, grab their breasts to see how much meat was on their bones, um, had sex with, and it's blurry whether or not it was consensual, with a bunch of chorus girls just coming out of his room like half-naked and flustered and all that. And as well... Um, he had a vendetta almost against the creatives and would just go out on stage and sing gibberish because he didn't like the lyrics he was given to paying audiences. Oh, man. Which is unprofessional, um, assault, and just kind of <laughs> shitty. And while this is all Patty Lapone's account, I don't see many people tr- jumping up to defend whether or not it was true. I think that, yeah, in, in situations, you gotta just separate 
the artist from the That's art. That's hard. It really a is. A lot of times. It really is. And even if this is true, it wasn't true at the time of the film, and it shouldn't affect the creatives behind the film and the development of that. The directors, the caterers, and all that. It shouldn't. Their work shouldn't be unappreciated because someone happened to be an asshole after the film was done. So, Andrew, Fiddler on the Roof, what are your overall thoughts and your cheese rating? Okay, I'm going to say that uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was quite long, but I think that it's it was still a very enjoyable watch. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. Absolutely. Um, and for a cheese rating, uh, I'm going to give it some uh, kosher cheese. Uh, I don't know what kinds of cheese are kosher, uh, but something that something like that, you know? All right, and I think quite similar thoughts. I think Fiddler on the Roof is one of the very few perfect musicals that if they ever try to remake the film, I might get a little more than violent. Um, I think it is altogether amazing and hard to complain about. So, yeah. So, <laughs> thank you guys for listening to our show. We got some great stuff coming up. Thank you for sticking around. Um, please, if you could subscribe to us on iTunes. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and all other podcast platforms. We're on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals, Instagram at Musical Theater Lives. Our YouTube page is Musical Theater Lives. Shoot us an email at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our title card is created by Jolene Casco. Please follow her on Instagram at Jolene Casco. She's amazing. Um, also, we're still running that the contest for reviews on iTunes. So if you can get your reviews in, we're going to choose randomly by episode 15, and we're going to pick one of you guys to win a $25 Amazon gift card. So that'll be fun. It's going to be a blast, Jess. It's really going to be great. I can't wait to see what they spend that $25 You on. have to send it to us. Let us know. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. I'm Jess. And I'm Andrew. And this was Musicals with Cheese. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.